you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me first to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 28. And as you may have noted in the bulletin, my plan is to remind you and point you to Scriptures throughout the Bible. We'll begin with this commission of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in Matthew that you're all familiar with. And then we're going to go to the book of Genesis. And Lord willing, we'll go as far as we have time to go this morning. For I wanted to remind the saints, those who are here, that God's plan for us all as Christians is to be His witnesses to the day He takes us home. I'm glad that there are many Christian leaders, not enough, but there are growing numbers who are beginning to realize that the kind of Christianity that we're all so comfortable with is not usually the kind that we see in other countries where there's a lot more suffering. It's really a radical Christianity, and I know uh, many of you as well as myself have gotten used to a way of living that is not as radical as we find in the Bible itself. And I know if you're as old as I am, and some of you may even be older, you're not uh, too excited to hear someone say, well, we're going to talk about a radical way of living. But things are happening in this world, and I don't have to rehearse all of that. Uh, it's, uh, some have called it a tsunami of violence and chaos, and we see it uh, just sweeping the world today. There's a restlessness, and part of that, I'm convinced, is because, as the Scriptures say, God is shaking the nations of the earth. Don't we wish He didn't shake them in our time? Just wait a bit. But He's shaking them. Many things have changed since I was just a little boy. One of the theologians of the PCA is Palmer Robertson and he said recently in a mission conference that there are 7,000 people leaving the church every day. Every day. David Robertson, no relation, uh, who is the pastor of the Presbyterian Church in Dundee, Scotland, recently said at Reformed Seminary in Jackson in a mission conference for the students there, that the Western world, including the United States, is wholly entertained by illusion. He said, for example, he went to a a funeral not too long ago, and it was quite a time of mourning and grief and, and of course after the funeral one of the relatives said she felt relief that it was over and now she wanted to get back to real life. What she meant was to go watch her favorite soap opera. 
As I was coming this morning from Ocean Springs to Biloxi to the, to the worship service, I saw a sign near one of the casinos that, if I remember correctly, it said, Welcome to the, or experience the true Biloxi. It was a picture of a slot machine. We're given to total illusion. In our dearest fantasies and dreams, the lust for immoral sex and drugs and entertainment and celebrityism is an illusion. One of the one atheist, agnostic, Russell Brand, from he is no friend of Christianity. He he said in the United States recently. He said something to the effect that all real pleasure comes from God. So why would we mess with the shadows on the wall when we can have the source? And I don't know what God he was talking about, but in a sense that's true. Well, I want to remind you in the few minutes that we have together of what. God's plan is for us, not just for ministers of the gospel, not only for Sunday school teachers and missionaries. And many of you are going to reject it. You've been rejecting it, and you're going to walk out of here saying, I don't believe that, and I'm not changing. I'm too old to change. Well, you're not. I want to read the Great Commission of Christ which you've all heard before. I'm going to start in Matthew 28 with the 18th verse. And it says this, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This morning at breakfast, my daughter said, and she goes to another PCA church with her family. She says, most of the Christians that I know think that this is just for the this was just for Christ's disciples or for specially called people, preachers, missionaries, but it's not. It's for you and me. It's a it's a commission, it's a command, it's a mandate that reflects the heart of God and the mission of God from the foundation of the world, for it's His desire to be exalted among all the nations. And if we are obedient to this commission of Christ, this heartbeat of God, it will revitalize believers and Christian churches when we're focusing on the global church. And the main verb here is going. We can give to help others go. We should pray for those who are going. 
But the main verb is, we should be going. Why did the Lord leave us here when He saved us? Just to live the good life? Is church just for disciples of Jesus to just get together for fellowship and enjoy one another? We know from Ephesians, and I'm not going to be able to look at all the verses, but uh, you can look in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and it says there that the Lord Himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some preachers, some teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And what we see in our society today and throughout the Western world is that the church is declining and dying because we're not being obedient. Now I want to show you what has, ha- what has happened, what is God's heartbeat from the very beginning. If you would turn back with me to the first book of the Bible, chapter 3 of Genesis, where we have the very first mention of the gospel. God was not taken by surprise at the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden to the temptation of the serpent. This is what He had planned. And so He comes in mercy and graciously uh, turns the heart and the attraction of Adam and Eve from the serpent, from following the snake, the Satan, back to Himself. And He preaches the gospel to them. He gives them, there's a, here's the way of life. And you, he says in verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What? That's the first mention of the gospel. So God comes himself as the first evangelist, the first missionary, the first witness to show you and me what we're to be doing in the time that we've got left. So if you've not been doing this, there's no condemnation for me towards you. It's just to encourage you. There's several things we all need to do before we die. Number one is read through the Bible at least one time in the year before you die. Don't, don't miss that huge blessing. And the second thing is to use what you're learning as you read the mind of God and tell others the way of life. John Calvin said it's the common duty of the children of God to promote the salvation of our brethren throughout all mankind and point them to the way of life. All Christians are to be ministers of Christ's righteousness. That is, we are to serve Christ as instruments by which He converts and justifies and preserves as we administer the ordinary means of grace, the Word of God. Now, if you would turn to chapter 12 of Genesis. Here, in one verse, according to Galatians 3.28, I think, uh, Paul says, the gospel was preached to Abraham by God In verse 3, of what to say to everyone all the time. And it's taken me a while to get to that point. 
But look in Deuteronomy 6. This is the, what the New Testament calls is the great commandment. In verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the confession of Israel. One God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then notice, then these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. They shall be as a sign on your hand, frontless between your eyes. Write them on the doorpost of your houses. We know some people ingeniously put these little where the phylacteries and uh, some of the Jews do and they put the little boxes on their foreheads and they've got the little things on their doorposts, but they don't talk about them to their children. You know this never happened in Israel except in special circumstances. It never happened. Moms and dads did not talk about God all the time. It was rarely. They gave them to somebody else to talk to. It never happened in Israel, and the rest of the Old Testament is the history of what happened because this was not obeyed. You know, this is typical of evangelical Christianity. As soon as we're through with this worship service, we will talk about anything else but God and the gospel. Anything. We're used to that. I've done it. You've done it. You know why we do that? We don't really love God. We don't love Him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We don't. But He loves us. And He just wants to remind you, if you want the greatest joy and pleasure in life, be God-centered. But He still said, this is His plan. Look at with me at uh, chapter 49 of the book of Isaiah. The prophecy of Isaiah 49. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, in chapter 49. <clears throat> and he says in the sixth verse, the last half of verse 6, speaking of his servant, the Messiah, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Not the end of this church building or any congregation. The end of the earth. All of this city. That's his plan. And then if you turn a little further in the Old Testament to the prophecy of Habakkuk. Just before Zephaniah. Nahum, Habakkuk. Chapter 2, this prophecy is repeated in Isaiah 11, verse 9, but here in Habakkuk 2, verse 14, the prophet says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It will be filled. All mankind will know God. You know, I often tell people, you know, the greatest, the most important thing is not that you're saved, but that you know God. 
Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's God's goal, that the whole earth will be filled with his knowledge. But one day it will just be inhabited by the righteous who not only know him but love him. And that's, that is the key to your security and your pleasure and your joy now. Now, if you look at the very end of the Old Testament, the prophecy of Malachi. Malachi begins with a revelation of God's mercy and love, but it ends with a curse or the threat of a curse or the promise of one. Malachi 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. One question we need to ask ourselves at this point in our life, this point in your life, is there any fire left in your bones that gives you a passion to obey the Lord's commandment? This is his heart. He said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, but we're not going. That's why this church isn't filled. That's why most churches in America are not filled. And many that are filled, they don't, they're not hearing the gospel Many are not. They don't know the gospel. They're not reading the word of God. If there's never been any such fire, can you be a Christian? If there was, but it has been dimmed over the years because of accepting a more comfortable lifestyle than radical devotion to Christ then do you really love the Lord? Do you really care about Christ? Do you love the lost? Your mission is to be a disciple and to make other disciples, wherever you are. That's why in Child Evangelism Fellowship, which is the world's largest ministry to children, we're now in 176 countries of the world. We reached almost 11 million children with the gospel last year. We train and equip God's people to teach the Bible to boys and girls. There are schools here in Belzona. I mean, I was in Belzona recently. This is Biloxi. There are schools in Biloxi. And, um, they, you know, we have a right to go into schools after school and, and teach Bible clubs. I would encourage you, some of you to do that. There are ways of learning how to communicate the gospel. And you can just kind of ease yourself into it. Uh, we, we've, uh, in Jackson, the State Fair, for the last 12 days, we've had about three dozen churches and about 40 different people, all denominations, come and share the gospel using a little tool we call the wordless book, just a book of five colors. Each one represents the doctrine, one represents the doctrine of God, the the doctrine of uh, sin, the person and work of Christ, salvation, spiritual growth. You need to learn how to share the gospel. If you, if you haven't, 
It'll, it'll just, you know, people come, they've never done it before, and they get so excited they keep coming back. The church is sent into the world to proclaim the gospel and make disciples, but it takes individuals, every one of us, to accomplish the task. There's just too much going on. We can never catch up. But God is not limited. If you speak to one, that one will speak to others. If we're just faithful. But if we betray Christ and just sit down in our mission and fail to make His gracious work on the cross known, we will miss the joy that God wants us to have. Let me say one more thing. Worship, that's why we're here. Worship is the energy and aim of evangelism. When we, bring, when we lead boys and girls to Christ by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, it is that they might worship Him, not that they just get a ticket to heaven. And it's true for anyone. The objective is to bring others into the enjoyment of the greatness of God for which God created us, as the Shorter Catechism says. So passion, as John Piper said, passion for God and worship is the force or power of evangelism. And missions ends and begins in worship. You don't commend what you don't cherish. And that was my question earlier. Do you love the Lord? If you cherish Him, you will talk about Him. You won't be able to help talk about Him. You'll get over the fear of man. Adolf Hitler said that he who owns the youth owns the future. He deceived Germany and he deceived the young people of Germany. And it's happening again today. Well, they're there and they're waiting for you. Your neighbor, your family member, someone that you spend some time with, talk about the Lord and let Him just increase your joy. Ten, thirty, a hundredfold. Bless Him. And be a blessing. Don't just say, be blessed. I hear that all the time. Be blessed. But no one has shared the gospel with me when they've said that. No one. I know it's a sweet greeting. I need to hear the gospel continually. And I need to share it continually. We all do. Let's ask him to help us be more faithful. Let's pray. Gracious and mighty God, this is your heartbeat. We know from the scriptures, we've just looked at a few of the portions of the word that you've given to us. And we know that it is your desire. You will be exalted among all the nations and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord that you might receive the glory. And many who do that will do it willingly, and many who do it will do it unwillingly. And so I pray, O Lord, that the wise in this congregation will shine as the stars of heaven because they have turned many to righteousness. 
We pray this, that you would enable us and move us to do it. In the name of Jesus Christ and for your glory. Amen.